That's Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley. And on this special, almost breaking news edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome ESPN the Magazine senior writer, TV star, and official true pal of the podcast, Mina Kimes, to the show to discuss Kyler Murray's decision to, in the young man's words, firmly and fully commit his life and time to becoming an NFL quarterback. Mina shares her expert opinion on Murray's NFL draft stock and how likely he is to succeed as a pro quarterback, what his decision to focus on football rather than play for the athletics pretends for the future of MLB, and then, as someone who spends most but not all of her time thinking about sports other than baseball, gives her impressions of this season's cold stove. All of that is coming up, but first it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of much less than what an NFL team will pay Kyler Murray, you can support the wonderful work at Fangraphs, including Prospects Week, which is running now, featuring the great work of Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel, including this year's top 100 prospects list, Dan Zimborski's Zips projections, and all the best analysis there is of what limited news we have. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Mina Kimes, Seahawks enthusiast and Mariner sufferer, which begins right now. Very excited to be joined uh, in this Kyler Murray conversation by a football expert. And I'm going to presume, I'm just going to make an assumption that you are comfortable saying friend of the podcast, Mina Kimes. Mina, how are you? Good. Yes. Good Good bud is how I prefer to be. <laughs> pal. True pal. True pal. Fellow sufferer of uh, exhausting Mariner seasons and Seahawks seasons for that matter. We've been through a lot. We have been. Thank you for uh, for joining me. I thought that we would have you on because we had big breaking news today that Kyler Murray is not going to play baseball for the Oakland Athletics. He is instead going to opt to focus on NFL draft preparation with the hopes of being an NFL starting quarterback. And this has sent some ripple effects through the baseball world. And so I thought it would be helpful to have you come on and talk with me and for the benefit of our listeners about what kind of what kind of prospect he is in the football world, how advisable a, a decision this may be, what kind of you know place he may occupy in the NFL draft conversation, and then talk a little bit about how the MLB uh, offseason has played out from the perspective of, we'll say, an informed outsider. How about that? That's generous. A good bud. <laughs> a good bud. A good bud of baseball. Yeah, or or at least to Fangraphs Audio. So, Mina, today we hear that Kyler Murray will be playing football, which means that he is going to be forfeiting a large portion of his MLB signing uh, bonus and entering the draft. And I guess my question for you is, what kind of what kind of draft prospect is Kyler Murray in the NFL? So he is a good one in the year 2019, which mm. is so key to this whole discussion, right? I feel like it's become, it's, it's the Kyler Murray thing has invigorated, please like my sport, Twitter, and oh, yes. <laughs> an angry intersport, which I, I hate, man. Like, can't all the sports be friends? Yeah. I like a lot of sports and some sports I don't watch and that doesn't mean they're bad sports. It just means we only have so much time in the day. Anyways, so I think it's a mistake to look at what happened with Murray and his decision as like this massive referendum on baseball or football, because he, he has a very unique situation and it's a unique time. Sure. 
It's just a very long-winded way of saying, <laughs> yes, he is going to be a quarterback drafted in the first round. I would be shocked if not. I think his draft stock is rising, and, and that reflects not only you know how he played in the the second half and, and then the college football playoffs, and, and which also obviously affected his decision and his draft stack, but also the landscape for quarterbacks, which is not great. Okay, sure. and that matters a lot here. And I think it, it helps to start by kind of thinking about it financially, right? So he's giving up four point six six off the top of my head. Is that right? Ultimately, so his, his total signing bonus with the A's was four six six. He he will forfeit. I think they have a remaining three million and change that is due to him at the beginning part of March, and that part of his bonus he will forfeit. The the A's will, just so that we review the mechanics here on the baseball side, will put him on the restricted list and basically retain his rights. So if he ever leaves the NFL, if he, you know, decides actually, just kidding, my 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 goal in life is to be a, a major league center fielder, he will revert to the athletics as as a you know a member of that organization. I think critically for the A's and the reason that some draft analysts on the MLB side sort of looked at their decision sideways, although we of course didn't anticipate him winning the Heisman when he was yeah. drafted, is that because he signed, they don't receive any draft pick compensation uh, in the next draft. So they are just without that first round pick. Yes. We two Mariners fans feel so terrible. Uh, for, <laughs> no, um, just kidding. Not biased at all. Like, no. uh, yeah, we have so much to look forward to as Mariners fans. So, so okay. So that's that said, it's important to know, for those who don't, that first round draft picks get guaranteed contracts in the NFL, which is not like, you know, every draft pick. And... Last year, the first number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, got thirty, just under thirty-three million guaranteed. The number thirty-two pick, who was another quarterback, Lamar Jackson, got eight million guaranteed. So Kyler Murray is going to get somewhere in that range. Right. Draft picks in the NFL are slotted; they're you know pre-assigned, and then they negotiate their contracts afterwards. So financially, right, there's there's advantages and disadvantages. Obviously, with baseball, as your listeners know, there's the potential for this massive guaranteed contract. But you got to get there, whereas in the NFL, he's right. going to come in and get something in that range. Right. And then is in a position, should he play well, to you know yeah. merit further extension that would be additionally enriching on top of whatever else he gets you yes. know, based on where he falls in that first round. And, and by the way, when I said, like, this is a 2019 bad draft, like, he's a good quarterback. I don't mean to right. say – it just – the fact that – so Justin Herbert, the um, Oregon quarterback who decided not to, you know, matriculate – Decided to go back to school. Is matriculate the right word for the NFL draft? I've never used it before, but it just rolled off my tongue. I think that you're on safe ground here. I think you're doing all right. This is a matriculate <laughs> friendly. So anyways, he decided to go back to school. So that kind of shook things up because a lot of people thought he could go number one overall. Tua, who's amazing, is next year. So, you know, like the Trevor Lawrence isn't. So th this is a pretty weak QB draft, which is basically what, what that means is Colin Murray, despite being, he would be the shortest quarterback drafted in the first round in NFL history. Okay, so that's that's wild. Sure. Despite all of that, he because of the landscape, because of the lack of competition, because NFL teams, due to the nature of NFL contracts, are constantly thirsting for quarterbacks, he knows that he's going to go in the first round. And we should say that he is not just short. Like he is not. Uh, you know, we will just lean into the the sports uh, fandom beyond professional context here of this podcast. He's not Russell Wilson, right? He is not thick in the way 
that Russ is, right? He is a a more petite is definitely the wrong word to describe someone who's <laughs> going to be an NFL starting quarterback, but like he is not um he is not built quite that same way. Fair? Yes. Yes, yes. Wilson, you know, he, he is thick with a couple Cs. I wouldn't say he's like <laughs> thick boy, but but, but um yeah, Kyler Murray's not thick. Okay. Right. He he is a unique frame. That's total graph euphemism speak. Yeah, he's he's small. Okay. And but but then again to go back to this 2019 thing because of the way football, you know, Meg, you know, as a big, uh, as someone who not only follows Seattle, but the entire NFL, the way football is played now, the embrace of college principles, spread principles, mobile quarterbacks, you know, it, it's never been a better time for a little guy like him to sure. be a quarterback in the league. And it seems like from an outsider's perspective, I mean, I follow, I follow NFL draft Twitter because like, you know, I follow you and Bill and you sorry. Know, other football people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why Why on earth would you apologize oh. for that? I literally have written articles about like Archie Bradley pooping himself. If anyone has like a, a Twitter debt to be paid here, it's definitely me. But, <laughs> you know, I remember when Bridgewater was getting ready to be drafted and there was sort of similar conversation about how petite he was, especially after, you know, he had a couple of like workouts that were broadcast in the combine. And I remember then watching the Vikings later that year with my mom and she just out of nowhere in a, in a moment of like, brilliance was like i worry about that guy his calves are very thin and i was like oh my god my mom would be an amazing twitter troll but there was a lot of conversation about body type when bridgewater was getting drafted and while there's been some of it with murray i feel like it's focused more on height rather than anything else which might be uh, you know me being blissfully ignorant of like the worst parts of nfl draft twitter but it does seem like even in just you know a couple of years there has been a shift in the way that guys of that stature and build are kind of being regarded by people who know the draft way better than I do. You know, you're 100% right. I mean, guys clear the way for other guys. The fact that Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield, who's six feet, okay, maybe a shade under, but the fact that they're having such success in the NFL, it will absolutely, absolutely has helped Kyler Murray's draft stock. Now, I would argue part of the reason why Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield are so good is that they've overcome, like they've had to be that good over the course of their career. So there's like a little bit of a selection bias when we talk about short quarterbacks being awesome. But look, you saw Kyler Murray, you know, in the playoffs, you saw him, like he's a mate, he's very good at football. So it'll be interesting to see how the draft process treats him. I have concerns about the combine and all the horrible, you know, like your mom, the anonymous scout, all the um, comments that trickle in. Because at the end of the day, we've seen this dude play football and he's a very good football player. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, to be clear, my mom only ever wants the best for these young men. She just wants (laughs) them all to go on to great careers and to live full productive lives. But she was very nervous for Teddy. She was worried for him. It was like a motherly affection for a stranger. Everybody feels that way about Teddy. Yeah, it's like, oh, buddy, this hasn't worked out the way it was supposed to. Well, and it's just such an interesting contrast to some of the the dialogue around the his profile as a baseball player because you know he is an would have been an unfinished product, right? A lot of what they were drafting on was projection because he had this incredible athleticism, uh, but really had not had uh, a ton of regular baseball reps. And so they were assuming like this athletic profile is going to be able to look like something incredible. And I, you know, it's funny when I was preparing for this, I looked back at what our prospect analyst, Eric Longenhagen had written about Murray before the draft. Mm. And there is a line in here that says, given his size, baseball likely offers the most financial upside unless he's a Heisman level performer this year. So Mm. props to Eric for getting that right. Won't be the first time. But, you know, I think that 
you you started out by saying this doesn't have to be an indictment of baseball or you know an endorsement of football, but it is coming in an off season where we have seen the free agent market be incredibly slow, glacially slow, even for guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, who theoretically should be signing big deals right away because they would improve any team dramatically. So Murray's decision to sort of follow the money and the, you know, the potential rewards of being a first round quarterback is being read in a broader, uh, bigger way than it might otherwise be if this were just, you know, a normal year where we already knew where Bryce Harper and Manny right. Machado were going to yeah, play baseball. And if there were these like massive, con- you know, hundred bazillion dollar contracts being handed out, I think that would cast his decision in, even though it really shouldn't, right? Because the odds would still be the same of him even getting to that point right it would it would color the d- discussion a little bit differently i think you're right about that well and i find it interesting and i don't know that this is necessarily the wrong impulse because you know young talented athletes make decisions about what sport they're going to focus on and specialize in and then you know get to a level where they might be professionally drafted all the time but i think he is a very unusual case in that there aren't that many guys even among the two sport athletes that are already being identified in this year's draft class for baseball who are like surefire Heisman winners right like that isn't yeah. a profile that exists at least not right now. So, you know, the degree to which it actually says anything about, you know, the state of of minor league play and pay at that level, which we all know to be bad. I, I wonder how how much this is a canary in a coal mine and how much hmm. this is just an odd, you know, an odd edge case that we won't end up looking back on and saying like, oh, remember that time when Kyler Murray was going to be, you know, a, yeah. a, an outfielder for the A's? <laughs> I think, um, you know, obviously, yeah, my mind went to the minor league thing as well. I remember when this was happening because, you know, I, I've written in the past about how difficult their lives are and yeah. how messed up it is. I don't know if we could cuss on this podcast. You can swear, but Dylan will bleep it, but people uh, enjoy the bleeps. So, you know, okay. just go nuts and Dylan well, will clean it up later. I strongly believe that the way Major League Baseball treats uh, minor league players is yeah but i think it's actually if if it is a referendum on the two sports and if there is like a larger scary you know sport contest kind of thing to draw for baseball it's more about fame in my mind right because yes kyla murray if he would have instantly been the most famous baseball like young baseball player right And, and which is part of the reason why mlb fought for him like they did despite his shall we say murky potential Mm -hmm. the dude he says he loves playing football he loves being quarterback Imagine being the quarterback of Oklahoma. Like, imagine playing in the, you know, front of that many people and being right. that famous. Like, you got to think that had to have some kind of effect on the kid. And, and also, you got to know who obviously does love playing quarterback. I'm not, right. you know, but you got to know he, being a rookie quarterback of an NFL team, you're like a thousand times more famous, right? Immediately. Right. So, uh, that contrast is pretty undeniable. And I imagine it factors into endorsement potential and all kinds of opportunities as well. And, but that's not new, that's just the two sports. Right. And I, you know, I don't say any of that to downplay like how horrible a situation the minor leagues are for players. Like it's, it's unconscionable. Yeah. <laughs> Candidly, it's the it's the biggest bummer there is about covering the sport to know that these dudes are treated this way. And obviously, Murray would have had this signing bonus to sort of get him through the lean times. But it is by no means an excuse for the way that the pay structure works down there. I guess we will maybe use this to segue into what your perspective has been on this MLB offseason as, you know, as a pal, as a bud of Fangraphs Audio <laughs> and uh, baseball generally. Baseball's friend. How are you feeling about your friend? Do you think your friend's doing okay? 
Well, I'm a Mariners fan, Meg, so oh, I'm right. never I'm never feeling great. <laughs> to start you there, more broadly though, right? We're, we're talking about baseball. I, I've found it fascinating. What, what do you guys have a phrase like the stasis? Is there is there a, a word you're using to describe what's going on? Well, I think it's being often, re- often referred to as the cold stove, Ooh. since the oh, since yeah. the hot stove is not Dead. it's not hot. That makes perfect sense. Seems like it's not turned on. That's catchier than stasis. <laughs> okay, so I find it really interesting, right? Because so in my job, I cover a lot of different leagues, and one thing I find, you know, NFL, NBA, it depends what time of year it is, how much we talk about them, and one thing I've found interesting over the last few years is that with all the leagues but certainly with NBA and MLB more so than NFL due to the nature of the sport we're all we're never talking about just one season anymore right we're right. we're talking about I'll talk about the NBA because I really think it, there's a lot of similarities to the NFL and that's where or pardon me baseball and we were talking about that today when we're, we're never talking about just 2019 we're talking about a bunch of different teams that are on entirely different time cycles Mm-hmm. And suddenly are making very cynical, calculated decisions based on those time cycles. And, and that brings up, you know, tanking and, and all, all sorts of things like that. So it is, it feels like with baseball, the conversation is similar in that it's just completely crystallized around all of these teams with highly divergent incentives that are also making these like cold blooded, rational, cynical decisions. And the result is kind of a bummer when you sit back unless you happen to be a fan of one of the x teams that's actually going all in right yeah i think that if you're you know if you're a red Sox fan you still feel still feel good yeah. uh <laughs> if you're a dog fun. yeah man boston sports people i worry i'm going to issue a hot take that you do not Ooh. have to claim any responsibility for you can just <laughs> disavow okay uh you know i I think this is partly shaped by the fact that I'm a Mariners fan, so you will relate to this. But, like, I think I use baseball a lot of the time as a way to feel sad in, like, a low-stakes way uh, (laughs) to, like, experience that emotion and engage with it and sort of understand its contours. And uh, I think it's been useful in my life to, like, hopefully – Dylan, I'm going to do a swear – not be an because it's like, well, I feel hmm. sad a lot of the time. And yeah. so I worry we'll just pick a city that has had a lot of success lately that happens to be Boston. I just worry about what it does to the human psyche to have that kind of sustained success uh, <laughs> and not have to feel sad. Yeah, yeah. It's like economies, right? Like when you, right. you're used to feasting for too long. or That is a funny way to put it. Like as an EMS fan, I was talking about cycles. Like I've accepted – long ago that my cycle is decades of sadness like I'm not like yeah. Ooh, you know what I mean like yeah. I I have fully embraced the suck <laughs> and yeah and, and and you and I I still care I still yeah. enjoy it I still find things to like about it you know whatever but it's not it's a lot to ask of fans you know when the number of teams that are trying when the, when the realm of possibility shrinks and shrinks and shrinks I do think it can have damaging and sort of long-term effects on the sport well and you wonder you know to contrast it with something like the nfl you wonder how much it factors into set aside the the money and the fame Mm. how much that even factors into the decision making of athletes choosing between say you know baseball and football assuming they can do both like kyler murray could 
in a season, I mean, it depends where he goes and injuries and all those things, but, like, he might be a difference maker on his own to, like, shift a team's yeah. fortunes, right? And, like, you know, Mike Trout hasn't been in the playoffs that often, so he, you can't say that in baseball. It's a it's a much uh, hmm. harder thing for one athlete to lift. So I always wonder, you know, not that I, I don't know Kyler Murray, I don't know how much being, like, that guy would matter to him, but you have to think that it factors into sort of your understanding of your play in the sport where it's like I can be a guy and be anonymous in in the minor leagues for five years and then maybe luck out to be on a good team that's that understands its window of contention to be open or I could go be in the NFL and potentially like make the difference day one between I mean like if you were mocking him to a team right now where would you be sending him <laughs> this is the he, he is like rising up boards because of, again, the aforementioned quarterback issue. Um, I think on Kuiper's latest draft, it was Miami or something. I mean, there's a lot of teams that might not necessarily need quarterbacks in the present tense after New York, which who's drafting like six or something. Right. But might want to draft their QB of the future. And that's when you start looking at teams like Cincinnati, uh, the Chargers, the Patriots. Oh you, but, yeah, they would have to trade out probably. But but there's a lot of options for him. I'll just put – and then there's the uh, the ever-present Arizona rumor because uh, right. you know, they hired Cliff Kingsbury. But I think your point, by the way, though, about competition and relevance and immediate relevance is really good because, yeah, that is – that's got to be dispiriting with baseball. Right. Again, like to think about what we, what you and I are talking around, which is that half the teams aren't trying right. uh, <laughs> with regards to the hot, cold stove, right? Yes. Frigid stove. Frigid, Frigid stove. Yeah. You do wonder, like, what are the long-term effects that all of this will have on players? You know, as much as, again, the potential is there for him to make a lot of money, you, you're talking about diminished buyers for his services. Like, if a court, if a good quarterback is a free agent in the NFL, it doesn't, like, you know, game over. Like, right. I mean, it almost never happens. But, like, everybody in the NFL is trying to win. You know, you, uh, unless your QB gets hurt halfway the season and stuff changes or whatever. But, like, it's very, very rare and unusual for teams to, to give up. So the sport is unique in that way. And it is concerning, I think, when you think about sort of what's happening in baseball. Again, not just as far as the effect on fans or on current players, but on future players as well. Yeah. And that's not, you know, it's a, it's a big issue. It's not as if the, you know, future earning potential is the sole consideration, right? Like we have there are plenty of young people who end up abandoning baseball very early because it's a very expensive – it ends up being a very expensive sport to play when you think about travel teams and showcases and all of the ways that guys get scouted, which I think is part of why it was so frustrating and dispiriting for a lot of baseball people to see him opt for football because it's like, would he – but he made it through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, he, we had we had won this one over, but we <laughs> didn't. Yeah, it was a... Uh, like your creepy baseball voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, have, I have other creepy baseball voices, but they're a little too specific and easy to pin down to particular people. So we will, we will spare our listeners that bit of drama today. But yeah, it's just a, as soon as the news broke, you know, there are all of these jokes that are you know, well taken about how I guess you have to pay more than $5 million to get a millennial interested in baseball. And it's, uh, it's rough. That one. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a millennial who is the managing editor of Fangraphs, it, it does, it does hurt your heart a little bit, but it's, 
you know, that these are the decisions. It's like, wow, people's people's brains working better at the end of it is not yeah. enough of an incentive to play this sport that clearly indicates that something yes. is broken here. Which, by the way, is another thing I should have mentioned from the very beginning when I talk about Kyler Murray. And unless you play quarterback the or kicker, I guess. Sure. Maybe punter. The health calculation is just very clear. Right, you right. should not play football. But again, everything about him is unusual. Yeah, Heisman, late bloomerish, not you know, like that caused him to change his mind or whatever. Um, bad draft, great time for a tiny quarterback. Plays quarterback, like there are all these things that make this just a very rare situation. Yeah, <sighs> it's a bummer. Are you looking forward to baseball? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I am a Seattle Mariners fan. I just feel like I got to sure. keep um, revising that um, <laughs> and mentioning that. But yeah, there's something, as much as I was saying earlier about time cycles and how you know hard it is to root for tanking teams and this and that, there is something pure about it that's like, we were talking about basketball and some of the decisions that various teams made right before the trade deadline. And we, the my colleagues and I were all in agreement that, you know, at least it, it, just make a decision, right? Because the, the right. thing you don't want is to be on the treadmill of mediocrity where you're right. like kind of, again, as Mariners fans, we're very familiar, where you're just kind of muddling along. Like there's something refreshing about ripping the Band-Aid off. So while that's not necessarily fun to watch, I try to find ways as a fan to look for, and this is Mariners specific, I'm not talking about the rest of the league, just to find like things that are interesting and compelling people and stuff like that to watch. Well, and you have the benefit being in Los Angeles of uh, getting to watch the Dodgers. Yes. Uh, in person. They tend to be pretty good at baseball, although they've been embroiled in their own off-season nonsense. Yeah. It's been it's been, been a weird that's been a weird off-season. Yeah, it's been a really it's been a strange one. I've had I've had many weeks in a row where I've at least once had to go, yikes baseball that's yikes. not great do you have like an adopted team that you have a special fondness for that's a good question um i feel hmm. like i do that a lot with football like i really enjoy watching that brewers team i yeah. like i enjoy the brewers i mean like and, you know, this isn't unique to baseball. I feel like every team in every sport has characters that you wish were uh, less dominant storylines. So, like, the Josh Hader stuff was not great with Milwaukee. That didn't make me feel awesome. But um, that that Brewers team is really fun to watch. You know, as someone who grew up rooting for the for an American League team, you, you whatever tiny part of my brain is still sort of uh, engaged in fan mode feels less guilty about rooting for – for Milwaukee. They're fun. I think, you know, I'm really excited to watch the prospects coming up in both the the Padres and the Rays system. So there's going to be a lot of really fun, young, uh, dynamic players who are going to... Padres. Kinda, who knew? Yeah. You heard it here first. The Padres have a really good farm system. It's a true fact, Mina. Yeah, and then like eventually, course. probably right around the point that it guarantees them an additional year of control, Vlad Jr. will appear for yeah. Toronto. And uh, that's going to be a real fun day, If especially if we can uh, somehow manage to disengage the part of our brain that is conscious of how how he was definitely held down for service time reasons. <laughs> not okay. None of not those. okay. Not good. Service time manipulation, not a buddy of Fangraphs Audio. <laughs> we are not pals, but he's going to be something special when we he's published uh, the Blue Jays prospect list last week. I think Eric described it best. Like the, 
the sound his like that the ball makes coming off his bat is something you feel in your chest. Oh, I love that. And so it's a you know watching him play is a it is a full body like visceral. This is what baseball can be kind of experience. Yeah. So um, the sooner he is up and we all get to enjoy watching him play, the better the sport will be. So. Yeah, we've aired clips of him on. I'm right now. I'm well in Miami, and we don't do a ton of baseball until sure. the playoffs. But even there, we've used clips of him, which, which I feel like is such a, a bar for. Okay, wow, like we're we're talking about him. All right, like yeah. you know, so that's that's been exciting. Yeah, I think when baseball players find their way onto panel shows or clip shows, you yeah. you know that you have something <laughs> special. That's especially if they've never taken a major league at bat. Yeah, uh, you so. you know yeah. that you're in you know that you're in good shape, and that a show based in Miami would talk about baseball at all is frankly spectacular. Usually, <laughs> it's just grousing and in misery down here. Yeah, but, uh, at least you get to be in Miami. That's true. <laughs> Tell that to Marlins fans. Yeah. Well, well, maybe they'll maybe Kyler Murray will end up playing quarterback for the Dolphins and then it'll all come full circle for them. <laughs> it'll be like enjoying baseball by proxy, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it could be true. Baseball helped. Well, Mina, we will let you get back to all of the many, many things that you do for ESPN. And I know it will be silly to have you list them all, but I'm going to ask you to try to list at least a couple of them. What do you got coming up? Well, I'm on Highly Questionable on week, which you can catch at uh, 4.30 Eastern on ESPN. But the main thing um, is I have an NFL, since I'm on podcast, I have an NFL podcast called The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or wherever you hear podcasts. Lenny, you're a wonderful dog. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. He's he's a special boy. I look forward to him on Instagram every time you post I want to bring him to the Dodgers, do like a dog night. You know, like oh, the yeah. On Bark of the Park, but I just don't know if he can handle it. Yeah, that's been my that's been my concern with all of my parents, uh, various animals. Uh, I want to bring them to the park, but I also am nervous that I will not be asked back. Uh, <laughs> and as a a writer and the managing editor of Fangraphs, that yeah. might be a problem if I can't go to Safeco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also don't want to be res- held responsible for my dog's behavior, and like just like most people who watch football with me, don't want to be held responsible for my behavior. <laughs> Well, I have survived watching football with you and greatly enjoyed it as I have enjoyed having you on the podcast. Everyone go follow Mina on Twitter, watch her on Highly Questionable and all the many, many ESPN shows she's on. Mina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Go M's. Go M's.